On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. So now it's not just Jim Harbaugh. Now it's not just Doug Peterson or Brian Dayball or Leslie Frazier. No, it's also Sean Payton. How did we get to this place? Ken LeVick Alive Wednesday edition here on ESPN 106.3, free ESPN app and on your smart speaker coming to you from the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Towers right off of the intracoastal Jeanette Javier. It's a Jeanette Wednesday. She is uh, still heartbroken after the Buccaneers lost $700 she spent to watch the Bucs get knocked out of the playoffs. Hey! Stop. They were down 27-3 the tie the game with a minute and a half left. And yes, the ending was miserable, but I would pay another $700 to witness a Tom Brady moment like that again. You know what? If you turn a seven upside down, what it looks like? An L. Stone Labanowitz, Friday Night Lights, running things here until no 2 o'clock on ESPN 106.3. Uh, now, the Buccaneers don't have a coaching situation. I think we can all agree that Bruce Arians, he's, he's going to be back. There's no talking Tampa. Yeah, no. he's not going anywhere. The discussion is surrounding Tom Brady. Bruce Arians is going to be back. But yesterday, right at the end of the show, we found out that Sean Payton, the same Sean Payton who has a movie about his life coming out where Kevin James plays him and looks nothing like him, it's coming to Netflix. Sean Payton has decided he doesn't want to coach the Saints anymore. Sean Payton's leaving. He is, as the NFL Network initially reported, stepping away from the Saints. And the Saints not only become an intriguing head coaching vacancy, but Sean Payton becomes one hell of an intriguing head coaching candidate. And I really think it comes down to the basic question. And this is me, Jeanette, thinking about this from a Dolphins fan standpoint. You have a young quarterback, Mm -hmm. okay? You have gone three straight coaches where you have handed the reins to a first-time head coach. Actually, four straight head coaches have been a first-time head coach whether it was Tony Sperano, uh, whether it was Joe Philbin or Adam Gase or Brian Flores, and the Dolphins don't have anything to show for it. I know that Brian Dable, the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator, he's probably the hottest coaching candidate right now. Yes. Because that Bills offense is awesome. Josh Mm -hmm. Allen is awesome. Brian Dable, I'm good with. I'd like to see the Dolphins pursue him. But, Stone, you remember what I said at the very onset of Brian Flores being fired. What was the requirement I was looking for from a Dolphins head coach? It was them having experience, right? Mm, Finally getting a head coach who has already been a head coach. And it comes down to this basic question now. So, Jeanette, to your sensibilities, what would you prefer in a head coach? And you got Bruce Arians, who was coming right off of being a successful head coach in Arizona. Do you want a head coach with experience, or are you willing to take a chance on a first-year head coach because he's been awesome as a coordinator? I prefer a coach with experience who's been to the postseason, who can prove who has 
the knowledge of what it takes and how to use his team to its maximum power. And if not, make the moves to get the team to the postseason. This is tough. And I think you can equate this to, to dating. Like, oh, there's gosh, the, there there's, okay. there's, there's the, the experience factor. Let me just tell you a little bit about myself. Okay. Oh, I, okay. And just I, so everybody knows behind the scenes, he put his hand out like he, yeah. got, he got something to say. <laughs> Let me just tell you about myself, right? Okay. When I first moved down here to South Florida, I was, um, I was 22, okay? Okay. Young guy, mm-hmm. 22 years old. What I didn't anticipate is that I was going to become a hot commodity to the 40 and over female crowd in Palm Beach County. Oh. I, and I'm not talking myself up like this was every weekend. Uh, there was cougar hunting going on. Mm. But what I do know is that in the event where I was able to spend some quality time with the female, they were like 35 or over. And I, and I, do, I still can't explain it. I don't know why. It's probably because I'm old and crotchety, right? Like, I give off that older-than-I-actually-am vibe. Even at 37, I give off, like, a 60 vibe now. Yes, you do. <laughs> and you sometimes look like it as well. Oh, come on. No, for sure. And you dress like it. Uh, Definitely well, you dress when you show up with the khakis. Yeah, get yeah. me started. Oh, no, no. Well, the khakis with pockets. That was a, that was a phase. Everything's fine. Are you sure? Yeah, Anyways. Everything's gone. Cargo shorts, by the way. Khakis are okay. Cargo shorts. I was Stone, say. your thoughts on cargo shorts? Don't. Don't. They're the most awful thing you could possibly wear. No. We're good to go. Everything. You You can why, stay, Stone. You why can stay. do you hate pockets? Why do people hate pockets? I mean, if you Whatever. wear cargo shorts, you're most likely wearing New Balance, those New Balance moon shoes. No. Like those. The all whites yeah. with the little grass. The monarchs. Yes. With the grass <laughs> on the bottom because you're obviously doing your lawn on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You but, can tell all three of us live very different lives. Uh, so... So I I became a a man of the older women, okay? And what I will say, and I found out very quickly, that I enjoyed the, as opposed to the 20-something fresh and new into the world, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed spending time with and, um, uh, and, and hanging out with the more refined older woman than I did the newer... Um, I'm out of college and I'm ready to flourish type of woman. <laughs> All right? Is that what we sound like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, uh, I, I realized the benefit of experience then. I realized the benefit of someone who's been there, done that, who uh, has, has lived life a little bit and learned experiences and learned lessons. And that's why I feel like an NFL coach, at least this cycle, the NFL head coaching search is like, me finding out that experience actually matters in interpersonal relationships and as an NFL head coach. If I'm the Dolphins, Brian Dable, great. Hot. New to the coaching world, the head coaching world. He's, he's out there for the taking. But I want a Doug Peterson, or I especially want a Sean Payton, mm. or I want a Jim Harbaugh, someone who's even been there before. He's gone to a Super Bowl, and then he he played around a little bit in college, and now he's back in a big boy world. And you know what? If I'm the Dolphins, I'm doing everything I can still to have experience, especially with Sean Payton back on the market. I think for the Saints, there's been... Sean Payton's done the same thing over and over, and there's such tradition, and they're, they're so used to what he does. It would be such a drop-off for a guy, even if he's hot and kind of ready for this position. Like, it would be such a drop-off for everybody in that organization to go from such experience 
the brand new, that it probably wouldn't fit. It probably wouldn't work. Well, with the Saints, no. I don't think you go with a first-timer. Right. Like, I'm hearing Dennis Allen's name already pop up. I don't know if I love that. He was not a great head coach not in Oakland. Uh, but the Dolphins, they need a coach who has been there before. They, they went through a rebuild with a Patriots, Belichick way, disciplinarian, and it only got them so far before he started to beef with the front office. So now you need to trust, though, if you're keeping your GM around, if Stephen Ross is keeping his GM around, he needs to trust what the GM has built and that it's time for a veteran to be able to carry them over the hump. A guy who has been there, Sean Payton has won a Super Bowl. Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl. Jim Harbaugh has been to a Super Bowl this is the type of Dolphins team that I don't think you're going to maximize if you go with a guy who's going to have the job for a first time. And going back to your dating analogy. Mm-hmm. Please do. Wouldn't you want somebody to take you to the nice spots who's already been there, take you to the nicer restaurants, know what to get on the menu, yeah. know what to drink to order? Someone who is aware of the finer things in life. Yes. And a person like Sean Payne can yeah. bring that to the table. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know what? That's a good point. That's a great analogy. And that's another thing, too. Like If you're, if you're, if you're dating a younger person, I'm not just going to isolate this to man-dating younger woman, um, but just dating a young person. Chances are they want to go to one of those places with the alcoholic slushy machines. Super loud music yeah, and the lights. Yeah, like all that stuff. Uh, oh, look, my shoelace is glow in the dark. Like, I don't I don't need that anymore. The I don't, hula hoop that randomly yeah, pops out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. I don't need to go to a place that has a surfboard with a fake shark that is bitten part of the surf. You know, that's where young people Right on top of a, yeah. of a bar with yeah. a bunch of people dancing. Yeah, I'm not that. talking about from no. personal experience. No. Like, that's anything. that's what you're getting with Brian Dable. It's exciting. <laughs> it is... It's hot. It's, it's hot. It's yeah. fun. It's like, man, they are... They are... Uh, man, they, they are, they are, they're young and virile. Awesome. But at some point, you hit an age where... You want to sit down. You want to put a cloth napkin on your lap. It's exhausting. Yeah, you want candles. That's what, um, and you want a quiet dinner. And that is where Sean Payton comes in. Mm -hmm. But Sean Payton also has the ability, if you want to go dancing, he's still got that, that mindset where he'll get a little weird. He'll get a little unique. We've He'll seen get a his little dance outside moves the before. box. Absolutely. Like Sean Payton, that's good. All right. Doug Peterson, uh, he wants to, and I think this is actually legitimately true. He'll drive you down to Key West and hang out down there for a weekend. Maybe go to Fantasy Fest. Uh, let it all hang out, literally. And uh, but 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 there's something to be said, just like in dating, once you hit a certain point. The Dolphins are at a point where young and hot isn't going to cut it anymore. And instead, you need someone with experience to show you the way. And again, with Sean Payton now available, you exhaust all options to try and entice him, flirt with him, get him to go out with you. And if it's not him, it's Doug Peterson. And if it's not Doug Peterson, it's Jim Harbaugh. But you throw the cash out there and you make it happen. There are parallels here. Yes, and that's why I think going with the experienced adult who can take a team and push them further, who's been there, is the right answer, yeah. especially for an organization like the Dolphins. Yeah, absolutely. Sean Payton 100% fits the sugar daddy vibe that, oh, that's absolutely. down there in Miami. Zaddy Almax. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, Zaddy, yes. Did you say Zaddy on Max? Almax. Oh, Almax. Oh, gotcha. With, so with, with the coaching candidates out there, say you were a team owner, okay? Say you were a team owner. 
In this coaching cycle, based on who's available now, whether it's Dable or Frazier, someone who's already had uh, a, a head coaching job, or a Dennis Allen who's already had a head coaching job, but they weren't necessarily overly ex- successful, uh, Mike McDaniels out in San Francisco, new guy, or some of the big names, the big experience names, a Peterson or uh, a Jim Harbaugh, or especially now a Sean Payton. You're a team owner. Are you going with experienced head coach or first-timer based on what's out there this offseason? Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. You're an NFL team owner. Are you going with coach with head coaching experience or first-time head coach in this offseason? And think about the teams. You've got the Dolphins. You've got the Raiders. You have the Saints now. Chicago's looking for a, a, a head coach. So you have some Houston's looking for a head coach. You have some places where there are some pieces. Not Houston. Houston doesn't have pieces. I don't want there to be any mistake. Houston does not have pieces. Uh, but there are some teams. New York, the, the Giants, uh, that's an open coaching vacancy. Uh, I, For me, where I'm at right now with the Dolphins, I want someone who has been there and has done that. They've seen some things. They've experienced some things. Uh, Previous relationship fell apart. They went on sabbatical. Maybe they traveled to Australia for a couple of weeks, reconnected with themselves. A yoga, uh, a a yoga resort. In Bali. Yeah, yeah. They went to Bali for a little bit, connected with their inner self. To find themselves. Yeah, now they're ready to, to get back into the world, into the dating life, into the excitement, the zest of life. But uh, for, as an adult, but after as an they've adult, yeah, they've everything. matured yes. exactly. We're on the same page here. But but uh, again, for me, and this is just me, I want a coach now with experience, just like I think Jeanette with your Buccaneers. If Bruce Arians were to leave, that's not the type of roster where a first-time head coach is coming in and experience and 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 experiencing success because. That's a veteran-laden roster. I would love with with somebody as the experience of Sean Payton to come in and step right after Bruce Arians, mm-hmm. especially with the weapons that we have right now. I mean, the defense, excluding the injuries, but we have the pillars and the players for a, an experienced coach to come in and just take over. Let's let's throw out four names. The, the, the four hottest coaching commodities right now, okay? Let's just throw out the four names. If I'm missing someone's stone, fill in the blank for me, okay? Uh, Brian Dable, uh, Doug Peterson, uh, Sean Payton, Jim Harbaugh. Those four. Let's just go with those four. Am I missing a, an obvious one here? I mean, we talked a lot about Eric Bieniemy. Eric, no. fine, yeah, but Eric Bieniemy, I feel like, hasn't really been talked about until last week. For sure. So, so let's just go with those four for now. A good four. If we rank them, doesn't Sean Payton go right to the top of the list? Maybe you can make the argument Dable was number one because we love the Bills and we love what he's done with Josh Allen. But I think Sean Payton, I think, is more desirable than even Jim Harbaugh. When you put it like that, which I absolutely love, he rises to the top so fast. Mm. Like, undeniably. They're they're not even close to him in that aspect. I mean, if Doug Peterson had been around... Recently, maybe, but no, he rises to the top on that list so fast. So if you're a team owner in this coaching cycle, are you taking a, and this is an owner for your team. This is the owner for your team because every team is different. But me, Dolphins, I finally need someone with head coaching experience. This roster has not fully responded to first-time head coach. I want a guy with experience. You're a team owner. 
You're an owner of, of your team. Are you looking for a coach with head coaching experience or a hot first-timer? Also, how are you ranking the coaching candidates? Tweet at us at ESPN West Palm because I say Sean Payton, now that he's available, he is tops on the list if you can entice him to come to your team. He is the top coaching candidate out there. Again, tweet at us at ESPN West Palm. Ken Levick alive presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Talk about experience. Yeah, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. They have it. 22 years, in fact. Now, that is veteran leadership. Dr. Jim Reardon's been the man in charge in that time. And all he does is send his students into the sports industry, preparing the sports executives of tomorrow. It's the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Sign up for classes now, summer semester 2022, fall semester 2022. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA sport. It's the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Take classes remotely or on campus in Boca, fau.edu slash MBA sport, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. She's Jeanette Javier. I'm Ken Lavica. It's Wednesday, and we're live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. We are presented by... The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. Sean Payton is available He could go the broadcast route. He could take a year away from coaching. But again, the fact that he's out there, the fact that he's no longer the coach of the Saints, it it, it makes him ultimately the most appealing option out there, more than Jim Harbaugh, more than Doug Peterson, more than Brian Dable. Sean Payton, for me, the Dolphins, if I was Stephen Ross, I would do what I could to go get Sean Payton and bring him in. That would be my 1A target. Your team, say you're the owner, are you going with a guy with already with head coaching experience or a first-time head coach? Also, how do you rank the most notable coaching candidates? Because for me right now, it's Peyton, then Harbaugh, then Dable, then Peterson. Ken Levick alive. Jeanette Javier with us here on ESPN 106.3 in the free ESPN app. And, of course, one more time, presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Jeanette is off of her her excursion to Tampa. We found out late last week that uh, how much how much did you ultimately pay to get your lower bowl seat at Raymond James? Seven hundred and thirty one. Seven hundred and thirty one dollars uh, to sit in the lower bowl again, yes. while upper deck tickets were in like the three hundred four hundred range, right? Yes. Yeah, but you got what you wanted. Exactly what I wanted. Uh, other than minus a the Buccaneers outcome. win, right? Uh, one thing, Stone, that I was thinking about as Sunday was progressing late into that game. Uh, with the Bucks and the Rams, is at least Jeanette listened to us when we told her you need to act now as opposed to waiting for next week, NFC Championship game, yes. or the Super Bowl. Aren't you glad, even with a Buccaneers loss, aren't you glad that you ended up going to that game? It was one of the best sporting experience I've ever been yeah. part of. Even with the loss, because you that game had everything. Well, no, the fact that they were down, the Buccaneers were down 27-3, mm-hmm. 
And then that fourth quarter, the last three minutes of the game was probably the biggest burst of energy I've yeah. seen in a group of people, especially with myself. I lost my voice. I lost my dang mind. <laughs> but when Leonard Fournette got the tie, the touchdown, it happened right in front of my seat where I was sitting, obviously. So most of the comeback was obviously. coming your way. Yes. Yes. I, I, it, was, it was like for me. Personally, for me, I felt it. You had to have made best friends but just because of the comeback. Like, essence of that, like, just like high, high fives, fives everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. We were grabbing each other's hands and, like, shaking each other, about to pretty much just throw each other off of where we were sitting. Did, it was incredible. Did some fans leave at 27-3? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I had so, a feeling. Wow. I, almost I probably would have thought about it. Because there were people, the people who were sitting right next to me, there was three of them. They left. They dipped. And then, at the at like, with... Four or five minutes left, this couple came right back mm -hmm. and filled in their spots. They're like, is anybody sitting here anymore? And I said, no. And I looked at them and I'm like, where'd you guys come from? They're like, oh, we're from the upper level. I wanted to be like, people, get out of here. Oh, listen to this. Knew. Listen to this. If you only wow. knew. So instead <laughs> of appreciating the fact that someone's on the come up, for the final moments of the game. Jeanette, no. because she's the one who decided to open up her wallet. Not only that. She the, one who, that. the one who almost sold her car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of those selling cars. No, no. I almost started to go fund me, too. Yeah, yeah. Remember this. From, with ESPN West Palm running it, by the way. <laughs> but she's the one who, under her own volition, decided to pay $400 more than she needed to because she wanted to sit in the lower bowl. And she's going to hate on people who are trying to sneak in no. the lower bowl on that grind that no. she wants to say she's on. Absolutely. No, what also, also, the fact that they didn't trust the team enough that did not think that Tom Brady, Tom Brady down 28-3 and three in the Super Bowl could come back. You didn't think he couldn't do it again? But you're mad at the people that left those seats open. No, I'm also mad at the people who thought they were going to leave oh. and then saw the seats right next oh, to me who were double the price and they're like, oh, the Buccaneers are coming back and they're about to win. I guess I'll watch the game again. No, walk your butt oh. out the stadium so where you were about to you go. You think they were already on the ramp and then they saw what was taking place and decided to just find an empty That's exactly seat. what happened because oh. that's what they told me. They're All like, right. oh, they saw they were tying. And I'm like, you didn't try. You don't deserve to get the heck out oh, of here. So, so Jeanette's not being as elitist as we thought. There's no, also I'm still like humble. A, I still have my moments. I'm still a humble. Hashtag humble. Uh, Jeanette, uh, it, going to the Buccaneers loss, she wanted to see Tom Brady for a final time, potentially. Uh, and uh, so, uh, again, last week, oh, maybe I should go to the NFC Championship. Maybe I could go to the Super Bowl. Uh, no, no, Jeanette, go see the, the game against the Rams. And now you're glad you, you did. Now, I want to, if you could, Stone, let's find uh, Tom Brady. We, we discussed this yesterday with Theo and played this. Tom Brady with Jim Gray on the Let's Go podcast. Tom Brady's on this every single week, and he was asked about his future. Mm -hmm. What's next? Mm -hmm. What's he going to do next season? Uh, just, just listen closely to Tom Brady. And I want you to then tell me what you think Tom Brady is going to uh, to do next season. If you're going to see him again in a Buccaneers uniform. Let's just keep torturing her. Okay. Here you go, Jeanette. All right, here, G. Thank you. No, when I know. And um, it's, it's a day after the season. So I think for all of us, you know, we can all decompress a bit. It's been six straight months of football every day consumed by you know, day in and day out football. And I think now it's just some time to spend some time with my family and spend some time with, you know, my kids. And uh, Hello. 
Hi, Vivi. I can't hear you. Say hi, Vivi. Hi. It's my little angel. Biggest difference now that I'm older is I have kids now too, you know, and I care about them a lot as well. You know, they've been my biggest supporters. My wife is my biggest supporter. It pains her to see me get hit out there. And, um, you know, she deserves what she needs from me as a husband. My kids deserve what they need from me as a dad. You know, I'm going to spend a lot of time with them and, you know, figure out in the future what's what's next. Does that sound like a guy, Jeanette, that you're going to see playing uh, at Raymond James Stadium next year? No. Yeah. No, the fact that he was able to call out the small details, mm-hmm. getting hit for mm-hmm. six months straight. Oh, you, my wife. Because you know someone's supporter. been telling him every damn day, I'm sick of you at 44 years old getting beat up every single week. It's the fact that he was able to point out the smaller details at a quarterback whose football is on the main mm-hmm. side, which it's Tom Brady. If football were the main subject in his life, the main, I guess, number one priority, all these little things that he mentioned – shouldn't have yeah. been, come up. This isn't 28-year-old Tom Brady. This isn't even 37-year-old Tom Brady. This is 44-year-old Tom Brady. Your priorities change as you go on and on and on and on. I'm still seven years from 44, and I can tell you right now, I don't know how he is even able to, to, to take a football field. Like I'm lucky if my lower back isn't hurt when I get up out of bed every single morning. And I would love, to, he still has one year with the Buccaneers. Oh, he's still under contract. Yes. So I would love to see him in a Buccaneers uniform. Yeah. But after that piece of audio, I don't think but so. This is, but this is the thing. This is why you did the right thing. Because both Stone and I sort of, I mean, it's not like we outright predicted. But we said it was going to be a, a tricky matchup. Mm-hmm. I did think the Buccaneers were going to win. They didn't. But it's what we were telling. You can't, you can't take anything for granted. And you, I think, a little bit were taking Tom Brady for granted because you just thought, hey, Tom Brady will be in the NFC Championship game. Tom Brady, he'll be in the Super Bowl, be out in L.A. I'll see him there. Aren't you glad that you checked your Bucks ego at the door and just decided let's do it over the weekend? I don't say this often, so I'll say it now. You guys were right. Yeah. Both of you were definitely right. Bingo. Were were you? I know when we talked to you yesterday, we we gave the the welfare check to uh, to Thank Jeanette, you. Really NFL pulled me line. through. Yeah, it really pulled me through. Thank you both. Were you? I mean, how depressed can you be though after your team won the championship the year before? I have. Was it more hangover or depression yesterday? It was a terrible mix of both. <laughs> I would say one with the other. <laughs> wait, wait, what 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 caused the hangover? What was the major culprit with the hangover? Well, since I did go solo to the game, I wanted a tailgate because, um, you know, as in the Orange Bowl or everything, uh-huh. you park in people's driveways. She got drunk by right herself, next to the stadium. Stone. She got drunk by herself. Yeah, Watch I'm, this. I'm wondering how that tailgate went this is gonna by be, yourself. But go ahead. Yeah, please so, explain how this took place. So I parked at a person's house. A random person's house? As you know, you know, sometimes when like you Like down in Little Havana, like $5 no block. The blocky. Orange Bowl, exactly. Okay. Here's a $20 bill. Don't mess with my got car. It. But I, uh, the only thing I went with, I went with a public sub and a six-pack of seltzers. <laughs> uh, Jeanette knows how to live, man. Okay, that's proper. Uh, right? Oh, man. Jeanette, right? Jeanette tailgating with a public sub and a six-pack of seltzers. Let's go. That's so proper. And what a kind of four-pack of Bud Light because oh, my, yeah, move, my move is if I'm at a tailgate and I don't know where I'm going, I'm like, hey, here's a four-pack of beer. Do you mind if I join your tailgate? It's all ah, strategy. And then some I barter. Keep, and then I keep the seltzers wow. to myself. I'm a professional at this. This is not my first rodeo. That is, okay, I need to say something. That is legitimately impressive. 
Thank you. Like that is, I would not expect that. That is, I mean, that is really good forethought. I wish you would do that with this show. Give me in detail. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Give me in detail, like, what you're looking like walking up. Are you, like, pub sub underneath the armpit? Yeah, yeah. Are you holding, like, a football? Like, yeah, what? how is this working? I had one of those styrofoam coolers. Like those oh, $5 styrofoam coolers. 10-pound pa- bag of ice in there. You know, you put the... Damn, man. Put everything on the bottom. Put the ice up on top. I had to carry the, the styrofoam cooler with both of my hands and then I put the public sub on top. Mm. So I was kind of like waddling Solid through the move. tailgate with my styrofoam cooler. You and got my any good workout? Sub. I did, which was a- much needed because I enjoyed all seltzers. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good very calorie burning before you wrecked your body. Uh, uh, so it was a, a seltzer induced hangover. Yes. Ooh, I, I, one, I didn't know that was possible. Two, mm. I can't imagine that feels very good. And I had a beer inside the stadium. <laughs> Okay, well, I don't, I don't know if that puts you over the top. I'm sure the it six probably seltzers did. probably were the main, uh, the main idea with that. It was the last call at the stadium too. You know, at the end of the third quarter. Oh, so you felt do. like, well, things were going was, poorly. Exactly, you exactly, yeah. exactly. That's yeah. the way I. Last kind of call. Did. That's the end of quarter number three. Things weren't looking good going into the final 15 minutes there for the uh, the Bucks. It was after that the Rams started puking on themselves, and all of a sudden Brady was back. But that that had to be, even though they came up short. That had to be a thrill seeing uh, a signature Brady comeback materialized right before your eyes. It was one of the craziest minute and a half moments of sports I've ever experienced. <laughs> That's legitimately how long it took. It was like a minute and a half because the Rams were like, ah, fumble, ah, fumble, ah, fumble, and then Brady's touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And then Leonard Fournette t- ties the game, yeah. and then 30 seconds later, you see Matt Stafford throw this beautiful pass and everybody can say it was beautiful it was, it was beautiful stunning pass, yes. and then you see cooper cup on the other yeah. side and all of us Deflated. all you it was like all you heard was a big <gasps> yeah because you know it's over at that point absolutely and then they all and then you you know you pray for a blocked field goal you, yeah. but how rare are those right right especially from that distance that's the thing it turned into a chip shot it was just yeah. a chip shot in that spot. All the videos that I saw, everyone's yelling, false start, false start, false start. Just like anything. Yeah, anything. Yeah, grass we, were all, we were all, we were all snap, yeah. Yeah. Snap. Yeah. anything. Holding, like something, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but you're right, though. It, it was Stafford let that go, and it was just beautiful. And you see Cooper Cup for a while standing by himself. I'm sure you're just like, well, crap. There, there and there was is. a moment where a bunch of us fans turned on the Buccaneers. We're like, where was the defense? <laughs> was where anger. were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. anger. Anger. How dare you? Jesus, yeah. offense, Tom Brady does it again, yeah. but in ta- typical Tampa Bay Buccaneer fashion. <laughs> we always got to remind typical, ourselves where t- we're from. Typical Buccaneer fashion, even though we won the championship last year. Like They're trying to revert back to them not being in the league. Josh lead Freeman uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jameis, why? Why? The ghost of all of them right. still exists in these walls. Uh, Two years running with the best defense or the best rush defense in the NFL. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No. Oh, why do you always do that? Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, you obviously live there depressed and it, it's, it, it sucks and your team faces heartbreak. But I think ultimately what you're going to look back on is the fact that you did it and you pulled the trigger on going to that game. And if, I mean, Stone and I, uh, we, we laid it out yesterday and it, you agree with us now. Like, we definitely think this is it for Brady. I haven't heard him talk like that. Like that, uh, at any point in his career, you you saw Tom Brady's last game. It doesn't. The outcome's not going to matter when you tell people thirty years from now that you were at Tom Brady's last game. That is going to be the significant part of that story. You did something awesome over the weekend. I'm about to like cry. Like I'm getting emotional as you're telling <laughs> me this. It's absolutely. It's you don't recognize it while you're in that moment. You're just more like, okay, let's win the game. Let's. Yeah. 
and the how dramatic it was, but all of the aftermath of of again Tom Brady potentially retiring and yeah. the conversation and that audio that we just played. It's kind of shocking. It's kind of a beautiful thing, though. It's a beautiful thing. It's very thing. poetic. If you think about it, it is poetic. It's poetic that Jeanette, with her six seltzers, seltzers and four Bud Lights, saw Tom Brady in his final game. And my pub sub. And your pub sub. I don't know how the dots connect, but it's a beautiful thing. It was, it was perfect. It um, was stunning. You know what, though? You know why it's a beautiful thing? Because that's about the most prototypical Tampa tailgate that you're going to find. <laughs> Like Jeanette is is pure Florida woman through and through. Tailgating by herself with a pub sub, right. And a six-pack of seltzers and a four-pack of Bud Light to barter to get into someone else's tailgate. You're right. The only thing you needed was a live alligator hanging from your neck, one of those tiny little alligators. I looked absolutely ridiculous, too, because with the money, with the my budget was 1000 so I had $300 to spend. On myself. So you see me with all my Tampa Bay Buccaneers gear. I bought like the creamsicle hat. I bought oh, one of those man. foam hands. <laughs> you bought a foam hat? I bought it for oh, my mommy so God. she can feel part of it. This is definitely a full-fledged they- <laughs> Florida woman tailgate. <laughs> They're like TV 12 towels. So I bought some of those too. I looked absolutely ridiculous, yet stunning. Let's not get it The twisted. only thing that would have made it the most prototypical Florida woman tailgate is if after the game she just went and hunted a python in the Everglades. <laughs> Kelevic alive. Jeanette Javier here on this Wednesday on ESPN 106.3. Uh, I'm really, though, like in all seriousness, I'm glad you were able to go to the game, and I'm glad you made the right decision because you, I mean, in retrospect, certainly made the right decision if you wanted to see Tom Brady one more time. And that was the whole point of this. Yes. We're seeing Tom Brady uh, one final time. You're welcome. Yeah, Stone, please give Stone credit. I already did. I already said you guys were right once. You want to hear it again? Yes, please. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> I already Ooh. said it. Ooh. I was excited. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. Uh, Stone LeBanner with Friday Night Lights. Jeanette Javier. I'm Ken Levick. And more after this. We're live on ESPN 106.3. We're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. 22 years guiding the sports executives of tomorrow. Yesterday, talked about the death of the turnover chain. R.I.P. will forever miss you, turnover chain. And listen, I am I am okay one way or another with it existing. Uh, does it need to carry on into another coaching staff that had nothing to do with it? No. Mario Cristobal was under zero obligation to keep it, and he didn't, and that's good. Uh, but did it also cause the mediocre play under Manny Diaz? The answer to that is no. And uh, some want you to believe that uh, it was a part of what was wrong with Miami football. No. Guys, it was it was sparkly metal that was put around players' necks. It, nothing more, nothing less. Here's here's yesterday, Theo Dorsey and I discussing the end of the turnover chain here on Ken Levick Alive. There's no in-between with Canes fans. It's one extreme or the other. I could not care less that the turnover chain doesn't exist any longer because it was supposed to be fun. It was fun. It was something for kids to be excited about. And that's it. That's it. It rose to prominence because it became a symbol of the Canes having a good season. But nobody can just leave it there. Nobody can just leave it at, hey, it's a fun thing for the kids. It had to become a divisive symbol within the Canes program, within college football. We can't just let things sit. We can't let things lie. It has to be, this is what was making us lose. No, the turnover chain wasn't making you lose, okay? But to also get mad at Mario Cristobal for wanting to get rid of something that was a previous era that did not go as planned, 
You can't fault him for that. Yeah. That wasn't his thing. The Canes, that's his thing. A turnover chain? Who cares? They weren't doing that when he was in school. It there. was a damn necklace. Yeah. Okay? It was a chain. Get over it. Yeah. Get over it either way. And as a Canes fan, as a guy who has supported and loved these Miami Hurricanes, but also very sensible in knowing that we are, we are not what we used to be, I, I, I kind of feel like I didn't even think about it when Crystal Ball took over, but... Now that I sit back and look at it and they've already announced the decision, it makes total sense. Like, the turnover chain was Manny Diaz's thing. Mm -hmm. So he started it as the D.C. under Mark Richt. Mm -hmm. He kept it because he got elevated to head Well, I guess he didn't get elevated to head coach. He left for Temple and came back. Yeah, he story. took five minutes in Philly and yeah. then came back. So, but when he became head coach, of course he's keeping the thing that he brought in roles as the thing that became a trendsetter. Yeah. And then when he leaves, especially with the program being what it's been, why would they keep that? Also, it's kind of like... It's kind of like the dab. Remember the dab? Yeah. The dab was a great, great, you know, dance and a celebrate. We used to dab in the club all the time, kick it, dab, all that. It was fun. And then when everybody just started doing it. Well, and it hold got, on. Let me correct you. I'll say it. I'll say it. Just say what I'm going to say. I, I, was, I didn't want to offend you. When white people started doing it, then it died. Yeah. I'll acknowledge it. When white people started when, doing it, then it died. Like when Cam Newton, it was Cam Newton's fault. So we blame Cam Newton in the community here. Cam Newton, he had his MVP season right as the dab. But, you know, the dab rose to prominence, and then Cam Newton has his MVP season. Yeah. He's dabbing after every first down and yeah. touchdown. And then white folk everywhere were like, hey, I would like to do that. Well, let's let's co-op that. I'm a dab as a teacher in yeah. school. Principals are dabbing, and we got, you know, every, it just became a craze, and then it became, like, not so cool yeah, anymore. It's not, yeah, yeah, because— That's the turnover yeah, chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, that, that's a great comparison, actually. Yeah. And the turnover chain became less cool because they just weren't winning. That, too. That it hurts. completely jumped the proverbial jewelry shark when it got busted out down four scores oh. against Alabama. That was the official death. Yeah, I think that's chain. when it flatlined. When they when they broke out the turnover chain down, what four touchdowns against Alabama in the season opener, where they like you used to, like you said, they laid flat from the from the kickoff. Oh yeah, sleepy, sleepy time. Um, and then when in that same game on national television, they broke out the turnover chain, still down a lot of points, and then it had to be taken off because the turnover yeah, got it, it literally, overturned. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they had to. Yeah, not only did they break it out down four touchdowns. But then it also had to be put back because it wasn't actually a oh, turnover upon review. That is that has to go down in, in all of my years as a Canes fan. I've never been so embarrassed. Yeah, that's like cringy. Cringy. I can't believe that just happened. Uh, You're right. It had to be put down. It had yeah. to be put down. It's like it's like when 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 your your dog has a stroke and he can't walk anymore yeah. and you're, it hangs on for another like three months and then you're like, you know what, what I'm doing here is inhumane. At that moment. <laughs> yeah. The turnover chain needed to be put down. It had to happen. It needed to be ended. And so, uh, to me, mercifully, Mario Cristobal has put it down. Now, here's what I'm curious about, though. Because Canes fans, we know this. And I, I, I like the Canes. I want to see the Canes win. But I'm also very realistic about Canes fans. They live in the past more so than Dolphins fans, which is hard to do. <laughs> there is no college football program that's fan base lives more in the Hold past on, than Nebraska? the Canes. Nebraska, uh, I don't know. I mean, they don't do it as loudly. Plus, you live in South Florida, right. so I you're get right. it. You're yeah. right. Nebraska, Nebraska's up there. Yeah. Nebraska's up there. But, like, the Canes, they live in the past. That's it, yeah. Well, that's and they like to attach themselves to swagger. Yeah. They like to attach themselves to flash, to glitz, 
to all about being, being audacious mm. about what they are. Mario Cristobal doesn't seem to be interested in any of that. There isn't like when Manny Diaz took over, assistant coaches floating down Biscayne Bay in yachts. There isn't turnover chains. There's not this bling. There's not that flash. But Canes fans got their guy. They got their Mario Cristobal. They stole him from Oregon, and he's come back home. But he doesn't appear to be interested in what many Canes fans think makes the Canes great, and that's the swagger. How much equity is he going to have if it truly becomes a little bit of a retooling, and it takes a couple of years, and they don't have the accoutrement that Manny Diaz had, the shiny bling? Yeah. How patient are is already the most impatient fan base in college football going to have for him. Well, I think it doesn't have to be him. Like, I think he's playing it right because if he's tried to do all of that rah-rah and try to be somebody he wasn't, he, he'll be faking the funk. And not only us, but the recruits that he's trying to bring into Miami would see that. He needs to allow the players establish what that culture will be when it comes to being iconic or whatever. You know, if they want to have that kind of thing go on, it doesn't need to come from Mario Cristobal. It could be a player-led thing, but yeah. he just wants to win football games, which I get. And I'm, a, I'm happy about. Case Mark Rick wanted to do both. I mean, not Mark Rick. Uh, Manny Diaz wanted to do both. He, he did, and he came up well short. <laughs> he failed in both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Canes fans, are you mad that the turnover chain is dead? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. I do also roll my eyes a little bit. At Alex Mirabal. We got rid of the chains. We're here to play football. That's just feeding into this football meatball nonsense. Like the turnover chain was to blame for the Canes not meeting expectations. Not the lack of recruiting or missing on certain recruits or not necessarily hitting on every quarterback you thought was going to hit on. Guess who brought in the quarterback that Mario Cristobal is going to inherit that already puts the Canes at a major advantage? Manny Diaz. Yeah. So, Alex Mirabal, and I, I don't know him. I know that he's a hot commodity. I know that he's Mario Cristobal's guy. But Alex Mirabal, the offensive line you're coaching, the guy you're going to protect, the guy who is arguably the best quarterback of the ACC, you had nothing to do with that. You are going to maximize him or attempt to. You didn't bring him in. That was the guy before you. So that's really weak, and it's just playing into this football Canes fan meatball mindset. When you say, we got rid of the chains, we're here to play football. Yeah, that second sentence Come on, need. man. Yeah. Like, that's so lame. That is, that's appealing to the lowest common football denominator because the dopes will hear that whether it's in West Palm or Lake Worth or Hialeah or Coral Gables or Pembroke Pines or Lauder Hill, they're going to say, yeah, damn right. Now it's about football. <laughs> yeah, 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 we were losing because of all that distraction. Now we're men and we're going to go hit someone. No, that's stupid. That's stupid football yeah. thought. Yeah, yeah. The turnover chains had nothing to do with wins or losses. Was it fun? Yes. Am I okay it's gone? Sure. But did it cause football failure? No. And Alex Mirabel, he knows what he's doing. But he is, he's just catering to football dopery. Yeah. I am glad that it wasn't a huge Miami Hurricanes announcement. It happened flippantly at some camp or whatever. That is the, they phased it out as opposed yeah. to making this whole grand spectacle of it. Yeah, exactly. that's a good thing. Exactly. But he didn't, again, if he would have just said we got rid of the turnover chain, cool. Great yeah. statement. Now we're here to play football.
Okay, yeah. Cool. Cool, buddy. What were they playing last year? Yeah. It, it, I mean, it was bad, but it was, yeah. it was football. I mean, I would argue that the Canes played better football late than uh, I. Alex, Uh-oh. I saw Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. They got That wasn't football. Whew. They got punched in the mouth on that offensive line, yeah. too. And you didn't have a turnover chain to lay the blame on. Yikes. Okay. So, again, all of that yesterday, Ken Levick alive, myself, and Theo Dorsey discussing uh, the turnover chain going uh, bye-bye. We asked on social media, and I wanted to get to these today because it really did fill up. We asked on social media, Canes fans, are you upset that the turnover chain is dead? Mike G replies, wrote this to a Canes friend this morning about the chain being gone. If I were you, I'd be excited. Time to move on from the swag era. That bleep isn't ever coming back. Good memories, but none of the recruits were even alive for the best Canes season in history. Yeah, that's fine. I don't think you need to move on from the swag era. Again, how a team conducts itself, how confident it is, doesn't have any determination about uh, how it plays on the field. It just makes you look fool if you if you don't have the talent, if you're not good enough and you act overly confident. But that has nothing to do... Uh, I'd rather have the personality of my team confident uh, than meek. Uh, the problem with the Canes has been they're they're trying to uh, echo, they are trying to mirror the way that the team conducted itself when it had Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and Greg Olson and uh, uh, Jeremy Shockey and all of the stars and the national championship teams, uh, Sean Taylor. And they, they just, they, they don't have that. Mr. Bill tweets, yes, I'm upset it's dead, but not enough to argue about it. These Gen Zoomer fans wouldn't have lasted five minutes in 1989. Uh, Coach Clark tweeting whether or not he's mad that the turnover chain is dead. It was cool for a brief time, but it needed to go away. Things like that are more suited for Pop Warner, not Power 5 college football. Mm, I mean, perhaps, but... Most Power Five teams then invented their own uh, their own version of the turnover chain. David Bullen, I'm not particularly upset. It was a gimmick and it didn't do anything to improve play on the field. It's pretty reasonable. It didn't. It definitely didn't. Did it provide a brand? Yeah. Did it provide something to rally around? Sure. Did it improve the play on the field? I mean, unequivocally, no. Taps tweets, the turnover chain was embarrassing, like a drunken guest who stayed too long. Good riddance. Gabriel Viana Pyers, it sucks uh, because plenty of uh, teams have their own celebration thing and people want to blend a chain for the Canes being a bad, want to blame the, a chain for the Canes being a bad team. Yeah. Uh, that's stupid. The, the chain had nothing to do with the, the Canes being bad or being disappointing or not meeting expectations. And anybody who, who insinuates that or especially outright says it, they're just not thinking rationally. Don Heron tweets, that bleep is played out and copied to death already. Well, because it got copied doesn't mean that you get rid of it. Uh, the, 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 the fact that it was mimicked and recreated in so many other schools, that should be flattering. Miami continues to be a trendsetter. I would take that as a compliment. It's a good thing. Uh, King Trey says, it was time for the turnover chain to go away. I'd rather win. Yeah, that's reasonable. That's totally reasonable. Roger T, no, I'm not mad at it. It had run its course. And Rashawn says, no, it is uh, not upsetting that the turnover chain is dead. Uh, So I I think that most fans are being fairly rational about this. But I did stumble upon yesterday this following tweet uh, about the turnover chain. And it is what I suspected was going to happen. This was so obvious what was going to happen. I want you to, to... 
to listen to this because um, it's almost laughable. It is pretty ridiculous. Michael Villa tweets, I absolutely love that the turnover chain is dead. Turn them into men, Mario. Yeah, the turnover chain. It's what was keeping the Canes bad. Now that the chain is gone, the Canes can play like men. Dumb college football fan thought. It just is. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. We have a hot, lot more to do here on this Wednesday. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken Levick alive on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Levicka. Pleasure now is the GameBridge LPGA comes up January 27th through January 30th at Boca Rio, making its return. And the woman who last won it when it was at Boca Rio is Madeline Sackstrom, and she joins us here on uh, ESPN 106.3. And Madeline, first of all, appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, for, for you to come back to the place where you won your first LPGA Tour tournament, I got to think that while well, you went through the whole uh, media scrum last year the defending champion to actually return to the place where you won it a couple of years ago. It's got to be pretty significant for you. Uh, yes, thank you for having me so much. Um, it's, it's, it kind of feels like I'm kind of defending champion two years in a row and I finally get to go back to, to where, I, where I played and where I won. And I know last year I was still defending champion, but it's, it, it's, it really feels nice to go back. I, I clearly love that golf course, so I, uh, I have good memories and I'm very excited. Nice for you, too, being uh, an Orlando resident. Uh, you can just uh, shoot down the turnpike, get to Boca Raton. It's not quite a home game, but it's it's pretty close to one for you. Yeah, I know this first stretch for us is actually really nice. I get to start I get to start in Orlando and then heading down to Boca. So it's uh, it's nice to drive your own car. We we fly and travel so much. So every time when you have that luxury, it's uh, it, it just makes you really excited. I have spent my entire professional career just talking, just saying things. Like, it's what I do. I've never had the satisfaction of winning a competitive sporting event, a tournament, and you were able to, to pick up your first LPGA Tour win uh, at the Boca Rio. I know it's a while ago, but I'm sure you still are able to recapture some of those feelings, finally able to, to hoist a trophy. What are your, your biggest recollections of the game bridge? Uh, back in uh, 2020? Well, I think you always tried. I mean, we're, you lose more in my sport than you win. So it's it's one of those feelings you want to linger on and you want to go back and revisit those. I, I do save a lot of memories from that week. I have a lot of the TV footage on my phone and I, I try to go back and I look at it and just see what did I do then? How did I feel? Um, but for me, like the biggest thing, it was just kind of how easy it was. I felt so at peace. Obviously, I was nervous. I was excited. But those are kind of the feelings that, that we as golfers want. Most professional athletes want because then you know you're in it. So, sure. um, But just kind of how, how, how at place I felt. Like I knew that my game was good enough and I just, and I just needed to let go and, and kind of get that result with it. Just prove that I belong on the LPGA Tour and I, I belong in the winner's circle. I broadcast a lot of college football, a lot of college basketball, and I know in the biggest moments late in games, I'm nervous, and I'm just describing the action uh, for you. And that win at the Game Bridge that came down to the final hole 
for you, how do you keep your composure? How do you keep yourself even killed enough to where you can still perform and you're feeling the nervousness, but you're still able to function? How do you do that? I think it comes down to, I mean, we've done the reps, you've done the practice, you know, um, you know, you've put in the time and, and I, I do, I kind of go back now to when people say, even when Tiger says like, I've done the grind, it's like, now this is your time to just go out and play and enjoy it. And, and I think that kind of comes back to just trusting that you put in the work. Um, and it's, it's, it's difficult, but it, I think a lot of it comes with experience The the younger you are, the more nervous you get. And then the more experience you get, then you, you know, you've been in these situations before. I mean, I've been up there a bit last year. I never really pulled it off, but it, it, it's still, you remind, you get reminded of the feelings because you've had them before. 2020 Gamebridge LPGA champion Madeline Sangstrom with us here on ESPN 106.3. We are just a couple of weeks away from the Gamebridge LPGA back at Boca Rio. And uh, how is the holidays for you? What do you do during the holidays from a golf standpoint? How much do you kick your feet up a little bit and just sort of relax so you can gear up for the grind that's about to come? I I was I took two weeks off uh, in the beginning right after uh, we played our tour final. So I actually went back to Sweden got to see some family. Uh, it's been a bit of a struggle with COVID for us. So like for everyone else. So it's been a bit struggle to travel overseas to see everyone. So it was nice to kind of go back uh, and do that. But then I went back to America pretty quick after and I, I'd have practice since before Christmas. So um, my coach was just in town and we've been doing some really long days these last five days. So that's kind of been my preseason work. And now it's we're getting more into getting the tournament mode ready. So we've been doing more mechanical work. I've been working a lot in my gym and just uh, just trying to get the body ready. And now I think it's time to get the mind more ready. The, the first couple of tournaments of the year, how much stock do you take in it? I know you want to win. I know that's the objective is to win tournaments, but there's also a buildup for majors and for, for later on in the year. How do you consume the first couple of tournaments of the year? What are you trying to accomplish other than just victories here? Well, this year is kind of it's kind of good. We we play three weeks and then we have three weeks off. So this year is kind of that you get a little test, okay? What because every every year you sit down, okay? This is what I liked about my play, and this mm -hmm. is what I want to improve. So you you spend a good couple months of actually trying to improve your game and figure out those weaknesses. But so these so these are kind of really the testing zone. Like, have I done the right work? You know, so it, things are going in the right direction, and then I think that. I'm going to sit down and look, okay, this is what I've been, this is the effort I've been putting in. Is it doing the results that I want? So um, it's a good little startup, but at the same time, like you said, I mean, we want to go out and we want to win. So uh, it's a, it's a bit mixed feelings, but I think everyone out on tour, they're always trying to improve. That's, that's what we're searching for. So um, that's kind of, you got, you got to get to check it out. One of the great things about Madeline Sackstrom is that she is very open about where her game is at and how she's feeling at a certain time. That's what I've enjoyed most about following your career. And so I do want to ask you, you finishing tied for second at the Open Championship, that is far and away your, your best major performance. I have to imagine you do that and you say to yourself, you know what? It actually is very realistic that I could grab one of these sometime soon. No, for sure. And I think that's, uh, I was on a good run in 2020. And then, and then when we had our massive break there for five months, it, it kind of hit me hard. I didn't play as well when I came back out. And I, I, I mean, obviously I wish I would have kept going and I've been kind of searching a little bit since kind of been 
trying out a few things didn't work out. So I really think that's this summertime. I played very well at the Olympics too. And I had some good, good finishes before that. So that's kind of, I, I knew then that I've kind of gotten back in, back into my rhythm. Um, I was doing good things and they were leading in the right direction. I switched up my putting a little bit more and um, started doing aim points. And it's just, I can just see that the things that I had tried worked. So now it's just continuing to work on the puzzle and then just hoping when that day comes that the puzzle falls in like in the right place. Sure. I do have to ask you, how does a, uh, a young woman golfer from Sweden, uh, how long does it take her to adjust to LSU, to Baton Rouge? What was that like uh, bringing your life to, uh, I mean, such a vastly different place than where you grew up? I really think that the people kind of took embraced me and just and just let me be a part of the community. It it was I mean a massive culture shock obviously. It it was it was and nothing that I've ever experienced before. I came to came to a school and people thought it was cool that I played golf and I had never had that really <laughs> back at home. So it um everybody really just took care of me. It it was so nice. I I had a fantastic school to be able to practice and I love the culture. I love food, so it fit me right. It fit me so well. Uh, it was some of the golf part that was that took me a bit of a while, like kind of like Bermuda grass took me a good five years to figure yeah. out. So, so it 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 was a, it was a it was a great experience, and I would never change it for anything. So it uh, I really enjoyed my time there. That is awesome. I've actually never met anyone who's had a bad time in Baton Rouge, so that's good that, uh, that the streak is alive now. Uh, Madeline Sagstrom with us here on ESPN 106.3. couple of more for the 2020 Gamebridge LPGA champion. Headed back to Boca Rio here in just a couple of weeks' time. Uh, with, with Boca Rio, what are the most challenging parts of that course where if you conquer it, you feel like you're in a position to win? When we played in 2020, it was playing fairly long. So I think that having a solid ball, uh, ball striking week is really good. And like we know, Florida, you it can get really windy here. So yeah. I think that that's definitely going to play a big part. Uh, we had some windy days back in 2020. So I mean, I hope for some wind because I think the Florida golf is fun. Um, and also, I think that the short game is is kind of tricky because, like I said, we have Bermuda uh, in Florida, and it, it gets a little bit. You need to play different shots than we might do when we're playing up in Michigan and stuff. So um, I love it because I mean, I mean, I'm based in Florida, so I love that kind of game. So uh, it fits my eye very well. It fits my game very well. So it's uh, it's all about the conditions, really. I did want to ask you as well. Uh, ProMedica is the new presenting sponsor of the USGA Championship, and that means that the U.S. Women's Open, the payout's going to be up to $10 million this year. Uh, it's going to ramp up each year, and it's going to end up being fairly close to what the men make. There is going to be maybe more so equal pay than we've ever seen uh, between uh, the two different golf organizations. For you, uh, one that's got to be gratifying fine two it's probably got to feel like a long time coming but three it seems like there is such a massive effort being made now i think that's something that the women's sort of we've done we've worked so hard for a lot of years we do a fantastic job with sponsors we do great with proam so it's it's really it's really great to see that um that everybody is want to bring the women's game to a higher level and i think it's 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 great for the youth coming from below, knowing that they have a great future and a great establishment establishment to go to and play at. So I mean, it's for us. It's it's just a keep it's a building 
flock from what we've done. We've worked for a long time and I know all the girls want to see it more equal. And I, I think that the men too want to see it more equal. So it's, uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's just such a great way to, I mean, I think women's golf is, it's been growing so well over the last few years and it's, it's just proof that all our hard work is coming, coming together. Yeah. There's so much star power and it's such an entertaining product. And uh, you're right. It is starting to come up here in a major way. And uh, I think there, there should be more buy-in because again, this is a great product that's out there on a near week to week basis. But again, Madeline Saxstrom, one of the young stars that is making this big push for women's golf and she'll be at Boca Rio for the Gamebridge LPGA January 27th, heading down from her home in Orlando to try and win a Boca Rio for a second straight time. Madeline, thank you so much for the time. Really awesome to talk to you. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks down here, okay? Thank you for having me. I look forward to it. One of the brightest stars in women's golf, Madeline Sagstrom, here with us on Ken LaVica Live. More to come. I'm Ken LaVica, and we're on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. Live is presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. 22 years of doing it, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. It's Wednesday. That means that we are headed to the movies. We are headed to review the silver screen. It is Jeanette Javier, sports movie spectacular. Jeanette, who doesn't watch sports movies, has spent the better part of her life not watching sports movies, now trying to acclimate herself into the yes. world of sports movies. Last week, Jeanette, yes. it was Hoosiers mm-hmm. that we reviewed. Mm-hmm. And now, today, we are giving one through five plantains, you being a proud Dominican, five plantains, Superior, one plantain, not so good. Rotten. What movie are we reviewing today? Raging Bull. Raging Bull, the boxing classic is what Jeanette has chosen as her movie to review. All right, Jeanette, sports movie spectacular. What are your notes on Raging Bull? So it was a super extra open to start with, but it's Martin Scorsese. So I was like, okay, this man typically knows what he's doing, so I better be entertained for the next two hours for a sports film, which I thought was absurd, but whatever. Robert De Niro was an absolute babe in the movie. I've never seen him. Like that I mean, young. How ripped up is he? He looked good. I was like, oh, well, at least for two hours, I get yeah. young Robert De Niro. Yeah, that's right. And there was a pool in the movie. Mm-hmm. I never really understood this whole like pool scenario. It was definitely a big part of the plot. Mm-hmm. Where there were a lot of neighborhoods with just like random pools in the forties, like that. Yeah, it's a it's a neighborhood pool. Yes. Okay, and the Vicky girl, she was the stud of the pool, but like all the men wanted her. Mm-hmm. She was the hot babe, so I was very, I was attracted to her too. She is the object of many affections in this movie. And like, help me answer this. Right. Why do all boxing movies have a heavy accent? Uh, There's, it's always like some northeast, like yo, bro, no. da, 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 like I what's mean, up with that? Boxing is an international sport. Boxing is a sport that brings on all nationalities, especially in that area, the Italian uh, boxing scene. I mean, they, these we're talking about some of the the greatest boxers of all time. We're talking Rocky Marciano. We're talking uh, some some unbelievable, uh, you know, heritage in that sport. That's but, why. But with like Rocky too, it's they were so heavy but then you know i shouldn't be complaining because my mommy 
has one of the mm. heaviest accents yeah. in the world, too. Stone, I think what's happening here is Jeanette is just crapping on Italians. I think that's what's happening here. That is just, very offensive. I can't no believe respect. that this is devolved I into I love that Italian tonight. food. You're better than that. No, that, 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 that Italian men are very offensive. nice. Okay, good. Perfect. What else do we have here? Uh, something, going back to Vicky, she's thicker than most women in movies, and I highly appreciated that. <laughs> that was really nice. Matters. Vicky good. coming through. Good. And there was like one time, one, like 10 minutes he was married mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden he's not married yeah, anymore. Right, right, right. I, I never understood that. They skipped that entire part. Mm. And another awkward date in the movie, I'm slowly realizing that sports movies just have awkward dates. Mm. He's brought Vicky to his house and something that he wanted to point out, he goes, that was a bird. At least it was a bird. It could be dead. Like, yeah, nothing says, as he's taking her to a room, that's a very sexy scene. It's because he's a salt of the earth man. And I noticed... I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a whole scene of, I was like, you did my wife. Mm -hmm. You did my wife. Mm -hmm. Okay. Everybody knew that Vicky mm -hmm. was part of mm -hmm. just everybody's life. That was so unnecessary and uncalled to, for. Well, it took a good 15 to 20 minutes yeah. of the same thing being said over and over but again. It's tough to come to terms, though, with the fact that your wife is sleeping around. Well, well, why do you have to get so violent? They told him. Well, His boy told him. His yeah. brother told him. Yeah. So why was it so surprising? Well, sometimes you knew hard. what you were getting into. Yeah, not everybody has the calm sensibilities you do about that, Jeanette. Also, one thing I highly noticed, and I marked it down here at 124, mm -hmm. the movie got boring. It was boring. Wait, you think Raging Bull got boring? Yes. I, I wrote it down here. At an, at an hour, hour 24, 24 minutes. That's where it's just picking up. No, I completely lost That's interest what after one championship. He just won his. These are what this is what it says here. Completely lost interest after an hour twenty four minutes in the movie. He just won his biggest title, starting the beef with Vicky again. That's when I completely so lost two interest. Two for two on both movies being boring for you. Yeah. Hoosiers was boring in its own right, and now Raging Bull is boring. So, uh, And, of course, he moved to Miami and turned yeah. into a man of the streets, like every other man in this world. Not <laughs> shocking. So, overall, I am, I am uh, really appreciating Jeanette's outlook on the world and how she looks at these, especially a movie that's set in the 40s. Jeanette having 2022 sensibilities and applying them to movies in the 40s and movies that were based in the 50s. Like Maybe we should go with a modern-day sports movie that's set in modern times next to see how Jeanette applies her worldview to that. I, mean, I think we have to. We can't go over three. Because I, <laughs> the, apparently the 40s and the 50s is making Jeanette extremely upset because, oh, God forbid, the world now doesn't work like it did 70 years ago. All right, Jeanette, one through five plantains, five being the best, one being the worst. Raging Bull, your one. review. One? One, you don't even have to finish. I, 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 I'm okay if I never have to see that movie again. So Hoosier's got three plantains. Raging Bull gets one. one I of was the bored. greatest films of all time. Jeanette didn't like the length, and she said it was boring, and she's upset that the main and character predictable. upset that uh, the, his wife was being slept with. And the accents. And the accents. Right, don't forget. Uh, she doesn't like And Italians he turned either. into a man of the streets like every other man in this world who comes to Miami. Shocking. And that is your sports movie spectacular. Your Jeanette Javier sports movie spectacular. One plantain for Raging Bull. Next week, what do we have on the docket? The blind side. The blind side. So we are going a bit more modern here. A bit more modern here. Okay. Yes. Excellent. From, Sandra Bullock. From what we've done so far and the notes you've taken, I think the blind side will be more your speed. 
Okay, we'll Hugh see. Freeze stars in that movie, correct? Hugh Freeze is in that movie? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Hugh Freeze stars uh, stars in The Blind Side. A hot Tim McGraw. Uh, a hot Tim McGraw. Sure. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't put t- hot and Tim McGraw in the same sentence. Whoa. Oh, Jeanette and I are on the same page with that. By the way, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, overrated as a couple. Yes, Same. thank you! Ken LeVick Alive, more after this on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken LeVick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LeVicka. Oh, man, we are a circus. Welcome back in. Ken LeVick Alive presented by... The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. Let's get right into it. We tried something. I mean, we really, really tried. The, the effort was there. Whether or not the execution actually followed, that, um, that, is, that is up for interpretation. The jury is out. Uh, we are going to relive it, though. It at least qualified to be the EDS coolest moment of the week. Time now for the coolest moment of the week. Cool. Cool, yeah. The coolest moment of the week is brought to you by EDS Air Conditioning. In light of all the heartbreaking losses for fan bases, just having their hearts ripped out this weekend, whether it be Tennessee or Green Bay or Tampa or Buffalo, we decided, myself, Theo Dorsey, Stone Labanowitz, that uh, we were going to we we're gonna call some friends of the show and just check in on them, uh, fans of the respective franchises that uh, took the proverbial football club to the groin. And uh, the, the intent was good. Uh, we were wholesome. We meant what we said when we told them we were there for them. Some wanted the encouraging words, though, and the words of support more than others. You'll hear exactly what I'm talking about. Here is our NFL support line from Monday. It's the EDS air conditioning coolest moment of the week. I want to reach out to um, some of our unfortunate friends today friends of the show friends of ken levick alive and not they're not personally unfortunate theo but as we laid out earlier the fact that they're fans of teams that actually have expectations Mm -hmm. uh that that they are capable of achieving possible greatness that's on them that's their fault we you a panthers fan me grew up bears fan dolphin supporter we've chosen mediocrity which is good yeah it saves it's heartbreak. Yeah, it's very, very it's safe. safe Exceedingly safe. But Bills fans, they're hurting. Bucks fans, they're hurting. Packers fans, mm. Titans fans, it's been a rough, rough, rough weekend. So what I wanted to do is just, I feel it's part of our, as, as, as hosts, Theo, and part of our presence in the community, Stone, to, to do things for others mm. and to reach out and to show that, um, that we care. So we're going to, we're going to do that right now. You okay. mentioned last week you were a man of the people. I am a man of the people. Theo, man of the people. Yeah. More so than me. I actually don't like people. Theo <laughs> does like people, and he's a man of the people. People's champ. Yeah. So if you could, let's, um, let's, uh, let's call our friend Ashley Holder uh, up in Buffalo. She's a, a big Bills fan, and uh, she's a reporter up there at WGRZ uh, in Buffalo. Let's go ahead and uh, give her a call, though. Just reaching out. Friendly phone call. So, Theo, we're just going to be there for, for them, okay? Just a, a proverbial radio shoulder to, to cry on, okay? 
Okay, that's that's going to be fun. This is going to be yeah, fun. Okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure that they know that uh, that that we are there for them. And um, let's see, is um, it ringing? There we go. There it is. Took a while. 2022, we're still trying to get this phone thing together. It's nice, though. Nice Hi, uh, Ashley. Uh, this is Ken Levicka from uh, ESPN 106.3 in West Palm Beach. You're on the air. Uh, I, we, Theo Dorsey is here. Yeah. Uh, and hey, uh, we're just reaching out to uh, fans of, of football teams that lost over the weekend, and we want to make sure you're okay as a Bills fan today. Of course, I'm doing good. And see, the difference is I'm not a Bills fan. I just report for the team. So we got to be clear on that. Oh. oh, okay. Okay, well, that's good. You've you, saved yourself some hold of on. the... Uh, she has her twins, and she, no twins, by the way. Congratulations. congratulations. You have Thank Bills you. onesies for the twins. I think you might be okay. A no, actually, okay, so I'm pretty known in Buffalo. So the hospital and the team made sure oh. that I had stuff ready for the twins. I'm actually a Steelers fan, so. Oh, that's a whole separate yeah. discussion. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 I, we were already going down, so it doesn't matter. But I am hurt. I am hurt for the Bills, trust me. I, right. It hurts me to see Josh Allen on, on Zoom right now. It, it sucks. Uh, it's, and it's good for business. Yeah, I mean, you you being a reporter up there at WGRZ, it's good for business when the Bills are, are a step away from the Super Bowl or winning. So this inherently is painful. What about the people around you? Is, the, is it a dour Buffalo right now oh for sure i mean for what i've what i've heard i'm actually back in charlotte right now but um talking to everybody you know bill's mafia is upset they're sad you know and i think when you go out against the same team that put you out of the afc championship game last year then you lose to them the next year in the divisional round i mean it just kind of feels like david and goliath right like you got to figure out how to get over that hump because right now the chiefs are their kryptonite yeah but you saw the game. That game was phenomenal. That was the best game of the weekend. I mean, it was a great weekend of football, but that by far was the best. And you can tell that that Buffalo Bills team, they're going to go to a Super Bowl and they're going to get a they're going to get a championship. That's 100%. what I keep saying. I agree with Ashley. That's why it's not as gut wrenching to say the Packers who are about to blow up their team because there's a future right. with the with the Bills. Well, Ashley, congratulations on the Twins. Uh, enjoy Charlotte, and uh, when you get back to Buffalo, uh, just please be very very delicate with those people. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry, I will. We'll talk next year when they get the Super Bowl. All right. Oh, oh a declaration. <laughs> Appreciate you, Ashley. That's Ashley Holder again, WGRZ, uh, up in uh, in Buffalo. So she's doing okay. Yeah, yeah, she's okay That's now good. because she's able to be at home. She's, she has her twins to look after. She's doing her motherly duties away from Buffalo. I get it. Here's what we'll do. If, if, if you have anybody out there that you know that is a Bills fan and would like us to reach out, uh, just as a friendly friendship phone call to check mm. in on them, a welfare check, if you will. If you have a Bills fan we need to talk to, call right now, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. Give Stone the name and the phone number of the person we're calling off the air, and we'll call them on the air and make sure that they feel okay. <laughs> uh, until then, let's go ahead and uh, call, uh, should we call uh, Marketing Director Courtney? I think uh, it's huge good. Packers fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go ahead and uh, and do that. Let's go ahead and give her a call here. Oh, right, man. Packers fans, they are certainly trying to fight through this. What a what a tough weekend. And and their team is about to completely disintegrate. Yeah. Other than that, though, life is good, right? At yeah. least they have Lambeau. They have Lambeau. They still have Matt LaFleur, which yeah. Courtney's a big fan of Matt LaFleur. We should ask her about Matt LaFleur. Oh, yeah. I wonder to. how good Matt LaFleur is going to be Hello? without Aaron Rodgers. Oh, hey, uh, Courtney, uh, Marketing Director Courtney, you're on the air. Uh, this is uh, Ken Levicka, Theo Dorsey, Stone Labanowitz, Ken Levicka Live. You know the show. Um, we just wanted to kind of give you a welfare call, see uh, see how you're doing after the Packers lost on Saturday. I am not well, Ken. Um, Stone, hit the music, please. Urban. 
There you go. I have never been more heartbroken <laughs> or upset after I pack. <laughs> Can't <laughs> uh, so, so um, how did you consume Saturday's loss? What did you do in the immediate aftermath? We, I just want to make sure that uh, that you're doing things healthily. Oh, I mean, you know, I just drank my sorrows away. You know, yeah. I feel like that's the only logical thing you can do. Sure, sure, sure. You know, it's, it's either that or drown in self-pity and, like, self-doubt. So I might as well consume an alcoholic beverage to help those thoughts go away. I wonder, though, Courtney, is there any consolation that now you feel Matt LaFleur had his glow up? I saw those tweets you put, mm-hmm. of pictures of Matt LaFleur. <laughs> Does that help console you in your time of darkness here? I mean, I guess, like, he's great to look at, and he's a wonderful <laughs> specimen. I mean, he did give... Okay, the thing is, I have to give it to Jimmy Garoppolo. Even though I hated his guts because he made Aaron Rodgers look like garbage during that game on Saturday. He did. But he is he is fine to look at. Like it's almost like you can't be mad at Jimmy Garoppolo for like winning because he's just so damn attractive. Yeah. And you're just like, man, he's a good looking human. Uh, yeah. So it's like you can't really be mad at him, yeah. you know? Well, Courtney, he's just so Courtney, good. Courtney was definitely drinking during the game yeah, on yeah. Saturday. Yeah, so drinking uh, right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so moving forward, what if you never see Aaron Rodgers, uh, his number 12 in a Packers uniform again, Courtney? I just want to make sure that you're prepared for the worst here, okay? Because we're reaching out to you to make sure you're okay. I mean, yeah, listen, I, this was Aaron Rodgers' last game at Lambeau Field. If any of you listened to his press conference, he made it very clear that he did not want to be part of a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think if Devontae Adams leaves, he leaves. They're an unofficial official package deal at this point. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if you're in a relationship with somebody and neither, like both of you know it's time to break up and both of you know it's time to like go your separate ways but neither of you want to be like the first one to do it yeah that's where we're at right now with aaron Rodgers. like we're basically just waiting on who is gonna like break up with who first but Mm. i think we're mentally prepared as packers fans that that was aaron Rodgers' last Game. Well, we wanted to reach out to you. We wanted to do it to make sure you're okay. Uh, we're glad that you're you're functioning today. And if uh, if you need a shoulder, Theo, Stone, myself, we're pretty broad shouldered. Uh, we'll help you through this difficult time. Okay. We got you. Thanks. I uh, I will be taking portions of all three of your paychecks to pay for my therapy. <laughs> oh man, that was actually I did not expect that. You know what? Uh, go 49ers. Appreciate that. Uh, we're we're trying to make uh, we're trying to make uh, some 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 people feel better here today. Uh, what do we have here, Stone? Go ahead and uh, we're we're trying to find a Bills fan that we can uh, make a welfare call to. And I think we got one. Okay. Ed from TC Palm called. Yeah. And imagine that John wasn't listening because he's working right now. Oh, oh, but John gotcha. Santucci is a major Bills fan. Oh, John Santucci. So we should give we should give John a call real quick. We should quick. give old John a call. All right, let's go ahead and give uh, John a call here. All right, let's see here. Uh, let's see here. All right, John Santucci, our friend from... Uh, from uh, from up north in the uh, the Treasure Coast, one of the most outstanding high school football writers of uh, of all time, to be honest, and he covered Stone an awful lot uh, in high school. If we get a voicemail, just pick up the phone. Uh, let's see here if uh, we can. Uh... Hello. Hi, uh, John. This is Ken Lavica. You're on the air on ESPN 106.3. Uh, good to talk to you. It's been a while, but also we wanted to reach out. You being a Bills fan and uh, make sure that you're okay. 
Okay, so John didn't want to be. <laughs> I think I think we lost John. Did John hang up on us? Oh man, John definitely hung up on us. Thanks a lot, Ed. John. Uh, all right, we were just trying to make. You know what? He but might I have thought it was it. a prank call. I get it. No, I probably, but also I get it. He doesn't want to talk about it yet. He said he, he doesn't want to talk that. about it yet. He's, He's in a tough mourning period. I totally understand that. Uh, that was actually legitimately <laughs> hilarious, and I did not see that coming. Um, let's go ahead and uh, let's so call a Bucks up. fan here, shall we, uh, Stone? Let's call a, a Bucks. Fan. This is the call I've been waiting on. Yeah. So uh, we are going to call a woman who joins us every Wednesday here on Ken Levick Alive, who spent $700 to sit in the lower bowl oh. of yesterday's um, Buccaneers-Rams game to uh, watch her team lose and possibly the last game that Tom Brady's ever played. And this is a woman who was so confident in the Bucs that she thought about buying Super she Bowl did. tickets. She talked to me about that, and I said, that's foolish. I, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, very, very foolish. And I'm glad that she... Uh, she did that. Uh, she maybe got to see her. Hello? Uh, hi, uh, Jeanette Javier. This is uh, Ken Lavica from ESPN 106.3. You're on the air. Oh, Stone, by the way, uh, play the music, please, uh, if you could. Let's go ahead and uh, play the music here. Um, uh, so, uh, Jeanette, what we're doing here is um, it's Theo Dorsey, Stone Labanowitz, hey, Ken Lavica. You know us from ESPN 106.3. <laughs> um, uh, we just hey. wanted to call and make sure that, uh, that you're doing okay. After the Bucks lost I'm not. Yesterday. How you feeling? I'm definitely not. Oh, no. I'm not okay. I'm hungover and heartbroken. You're hungover and heartbroken. Mm. First of all, let's talk about the hangover. <laughs> Just how bad of a hangover are we talking right now? It was pretty rough in the morning. Um, it was a little tough to get out of bed. It, I had Excedrin, some Pedialyte, mm -hmm. um, a lot of water. I had to, like, my mommy made me a lobster bake. I'm in Orlando trying to recover because I went to the game last night. <laughs> Um, so it's been pretty rough. And then, you know, just the memories of being there. I saw that touchdown right in front of uh, me when it, the, the game tied. Uh, like it happened goodness. right in front of me. That touchdown came towards you. Yeah. It, it, yes, it, it, it did. marching to your heart. Oh, right? man. Was... It was as if it was for me. It was like yeah. Brady, Delaire, so Fournette, Jeanette, this one's for you. Man, and is... I stood there and I took it and I lost my voice. I didn't have a voice this morning. Um, uh, did you say you had a lobster bake after the game to try and uh, fight the hangover? No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I just had it. I just had it like an hour ago. Oh, My mom made it for me. Is that a good idea for uh, for a hangover as a lobster bake? I'm just wondering. I have no regrets. I think you should try it. It was pretty good. There was a lot of cheese on it. There was a lot of cheese on it. I think that's what really made the difference here. So, Jeanette, Mike Evans' touchdown yes. came right in front of you, right at you, right towards you. Yes. And Stafford's pass to Cooper Cup was just heading the opposite way. Oh. The, the like stadium went silent. Listen, listen when I say you could hear a pin drop in that same. When that ball flew in the air and on the other end you see Cooper Cup completely wide open, you literally just stood there. The shock, my face, just my jaw dropped and everybody else around me. And that was really the special part for me. It was like, thank God I was just surrounded by a bunch of fellow Buccaneers fans because we really went through all the pain together. Well, we're probably you, feeling all the pain together uh, right now. I want you to know, Jeanette, that your family here at Ken Levick Alive is here for you. So if you need anything, please uh, reach out. Uh, late night call, direct that to uh, Stone. Um, but um, if, uh, if if you need anything, if you need some flowers, maybe Uber Eats delivered to your house, let us know. We'll take care of you, okay? Oh, yeah. I really appreciate the support. Thank you. And thank you for the work that you're doing. I know all of us fans who are really heartbroken today appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. No, it is It is our pleasure. We're doing it as a service to the people. Thank you, Jeanette Javier. She'll join us Wednesday here on uh, Ken Levick Alive. Do we have time, Stone, for uh, uh, just one more Titans call? Absolutely. All right, let's do Let's do one Titans call here. We're going to call uh, Aiden Reed. This is a, um, a high school teammate. 
of of yours, Stone? A college football teammate. College football Music teammate. Music City. Yeah. Uh, so he he lives in uh, Nashville. He lives correct? in Nashville too. Uh, yeah. Really? Is oh, yeah. he gonna is he gonna hang up on us too? No, he will not. Okay. That was uh, still still. Hey, uh, John. No hard feelings, man. We just wanted to make you feel better. <laughs> we were trying to help him. Yeah. But you know what? He's not ready. He's not ready he's, for people to reach out. Ready. And you know what? I completely understand that. We have to be understanding in this moment for him. Yeah. It will yeah, give I'll him space. Because right, we're sensitive to people's feelings right yeah, now. It, it was a rough weekend in the NFL for four fan bases. Yeah, yeah. But great um, for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Great for everybody else. Hello? Uh, hi, uh, Aaron. Uh, this is Ken Levick at ESPN 106.3 in West Palm Beach. Ken Levick at Theodorsi and Stone Labanowitz. Uh, we're just calling welfare check uh, on Titans fans right now, and we wanted to make sure you're okay. How you feeling this morning, pal? Uh, not feeling the best, but probably feeling a lot better uh, than Ryan Tannehill after his performance with the, uh, the three key interceptions. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was really bad. We're calling that the Tannehill trifecta, uh, yeah. by the way, today. You should um, co-op that. Uh, so, so, Aaron, how did, you, how did you handle the loss on Saturday? What did you do in the immediate aftermath of the Titans' loss? Uh, the immediate aftermath definitely uh, bought a couple of shots. Uh, to get over that initial pain, sure. uh, I had to numb the pain because it was so embarrassing uh, to watch the Titans, uh, specifically Ryan Tannehill's performance after we could have gone down to tie up the game and he decides to uh, throw another interception, which was the third and final, and then yeah. we lose loss. Now, I want to, uh, Stone, uh, Aaron, your, your former college teammate, uh, does this check out? Things go a little bit poorly and some shots are ordered. Does this check out here with Aaron? Oh, it's 100%. A guaranteed success rate. That, yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah. I actually was on social media and I saw the, you know, the rise up to the occurrence. You know, Aaron was posting uh, stuff all over social media. Everyone's wearing a Titans jersey. He's out. The bar is jumping. And uh, uh, it's I'm, tough. And Aaron, we feel for you. Uh, we just want to. Are, are you? Are you going to make it through this? Okay. Do you need anything? Yeah, man. Uh, a new quarterback. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll do what we can. I think our options are limited. I was thinking more along the lines of a warm meal delivered to your home, but uh, we'll we'll work on the quarterback as well. Aaron, uh, uh, we just wanted to check in. Uh, appreciate you and uh, hang in there, okay? Appreciate it. You guys have a good one. All right, that is uh, Aaron Reed, former college uh, teammate of Stone Labanowitz. Seems like Titans fans are pretty much they're doing okay right now. Yeah, and I think for Aaron, he probably has spent. A lot of his time asking for a new quarterback. I mean, he played with Stone, so right, you know, like he's used to wanting a new quarterback. That was really well done. Yeah, well done, Theo. Bad. It's not uh, even simple to troll yet. Uh, I was going to say that's an early yeah. template troll. Bucks fans are on the the road to recovery. Lobster bake with a ton of cheese. Apparently, yeah. that's a good hangover meal. I had no idea, Jeanette. Uh, uh, Courtney's ready to break up with Aaron Rodgers. So Packers fans seem like they know the inevitable is coming, and Bills fans They're still not up. ready to talk. They're hanging up on this or oh, denying their man. fandom. Or that their- is unbelievable. Whatever we uh, we tried, we we tried, we tried our best to uh, be there for the community. More to come here on Ken Levick Alive, presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. at fau.edu/slash/mba-sport. I'm Ken Levick here on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Levick. Ken 
Topic Live rolls on here on ESPN 106.3, not to mention the free ESPN app and on your smart speaker. Don't forget the free Ken Levick Alive podcast, wherever you get your podcast every single day. Enjoy it uh, and and uh, snuggle it to your, your bosom and to your closest family members. It's the Ken Levick Alive podcast. Uh, I, I, I want to focus on a story that has captured my attention, and it's... It's hilarious. It's very South Florida-ish. It is very topical, worldly, but it's also mortifying. Let me start with this. Jeanette Javier, are you a cruise fan? Yes. Not Tom Cruise, but like the boat. Yes. Okay. Stone Lebanowitz, are you a fan of cruises? Big fan. All right. Let me read to you from CNN. A cruise ship heading to Miami changed course to the Bahamas Saturday after a U.S. judge issued an arrest warrant for the ship due to unpaid fuel bills. If the Crystal Symphony had continued course to Miami, it would have been seized by authorities. So it instead went to Bimini, first reported by USA Today. The ship is still docked at the Bahama port, according to a cruise ship tracker. The saga began Wednesday when Peninsula Petroleum Far East filed a lawsuit in South Florida Federal Court against Crystal Cruises, alleging it owed unpaid fuel bills totaling more than $4.6 million, $1.2 million specifically for the cruise company. On Thursday, a U.S. judge issued an arrest warrant ahead of the ship's scheduled Saturday arrival in Miami, meaning the ship would be seized by a U.S. marshal and a court-appointed custodian. Crystal Cruises said about 300 passengers were transferred by ferry on Sunday from Bimini to Fort Lauderdale in heavy surf and heavy waves because in Clement weather. The cruise ship saying, quote, it was uncomfortable because of bad weather. The end of the cruise was not the conclusion to our guest vacation we originally planned for. <laughs> so, so, so this cruise ship, this company, hadn't paid its fuel bills, okay? So if it sailed into Florida waters... They immediately would have been boarded by law enforcement and the ship would have been seized and likely crew would have been arrested. So what did they do with over 300 passengers on board who have no idea what's no. going on? No idea. Oh my they end up going to the Bahamas. Let's an go! entirely different country. Woo! And then just to top it off, it's not, oh, hey, complimentary stays uh, at Bimini uh, for, with us for a couple of days. No, it's get on these small boats. The weather is terrible and we're going to sail you across the Caribbean to send you to Miami and Fort Lauderdale. And if you get ill, sorry. So basically these passengers turned into, they were kidnapped. They these passengers were, were kidnapped. Absolutely they were legitimately kidnapped. kidnapped and there's no recourse. They're not going to get any sort of refund. In fact, that cruise ship is just sort of sitting there. It can't come into American waters ever or else it's going to be seized by law enforcement. Now, let me ask you, you're in that position, you're in that situation and your cruise ship, you've basically been kidnapped by your cruise ship company and they say, hey, get on this boat so we can cross this treacherous piece of water and and your vacation's done, by the way. You react how, Jeanette? I'm extending my vacation. I'm staying on the island. Excuse me. Let me find a hotel. Thank you for the free ride. I will find a flight to get me back to where I need to go. Would you ever go on a cruise again after that? Yes. 
Absolutely. I wouldn't go on that cruise line. Well, that cruise line's probably going out of business. In yes. fact, it has ceased operations, they say, for the next three months. So they can so wow. so they can uh, take uh, a, an inventory of its financial situation. I'm, I'm bimini now. So thank you for this opportunity. I'm going to make the most of it. Catch me outside with a pina colada, some sunglasses, and some nice hotel. Here's the thing, though. There is no greater uh, danger zone for COVID right now than a cruise ship, okay? So not only that, you're dodging that. You're on a cruise ship. Uh, and and so you, you avoid the COVID, but then you end up solely heading to the Bahamas and being kidnapped. I would, I would just never do it again. I would just write off the whole cruise experience. I'm with Jeanette entirely. I mean, it's where's the nearest hotel at, mm-hmm. at the cheapest price. Where are you getting this money? You've already wasted all your money on this cruise, I, this seven-day cruise. I can guarantee you they have a voucher for the next cruise three months down the, the business, road. The business is going out of business. The There's not going to be There's, any vouchers. Well, then it's their sister There's company. prison time. And I'm calling my peoples with a boat. And, you know, come hang out at my oh, hotel. Stone has people with a boat. I was going to say, I, I was going to fly back, but now I got to go with Stone's people. Let's go. The Bahamas is like three and a half hours away on boat. Not even. Au revoir. Thank you for the vacation. Oh, Jeanette, we got this. <laughs> I'm not worried at all. You guys take the dinghies. We're here. We're still yeah, here. Like, I don't know I'm what y'all you, thinking. I And the best part is I can literally call work or email them like, hey, listen, my cruise I, ship. I got kidnapped by my I cruise ship. You know, I can't come back to work, so I got to stay on the island. What is the announcement that the boat makes though it has to be weather right that they make them they're not telling people what's yeah, going on but actually. like you know how in the morning the captain comes on and goes yes it's like a who's like a like an alarm like yeah yeah that's their emergency uh yeah when you don't hear the you know there's problems like like those people who annoyingly use that as their their alarm on their phone like have you ever shacked up with anybody who uses that as an alarm on their phone and then you're jostled awake you didn't know where you were in the first place who's that what is this what's happening oh you just need an alarm to experience yeah that. yeah uh, <laughs> uh, uh, my point was to just made it more jarring, but you're right. You don't necessarily need an alarm for that. But, but, but then the the captain's like, "We are. Uh, this is your captain speaking, and uh, we're going to be making a detour to the beautiful nation of the Bahamas." All the while, you've been packing and you're ready to disembark at your original destination in Miami. We have a problem with local law enforcement, and we're not really sure how long we're going to be in the beautiful nation of Bahamas, but don't forget about the buffet that starts at 10 a.m. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, I was expecting something completely different, like, bam, bam, bam. Hey, uh, what's up, everyone? <laughs> Just letting y'all know we got a slight issue. Uh, looks like we're extending your trip. You're going to be in Bimini or one of these islands right behind us for a little longer. Uh, figure it out, but we got these dinghies if you want to head back. So so what you're saying is the captain's already fled. Yeah, he don't care anymore. Yeah. We, we, we've got someone else. Hell, it might be Jeanette who's on the intercom right now who's uh, telling the passengers what's about to happen. I mean, that is just miserable. It's not just that you had your vacation ended. It's that you then had to get on a small boat because the boat can't enter American waters and you had to basically navigate through. Th- I-, I wonder if you have to control your own boat. But, sir, I've never, I've never sailed a boat before. Sorry, just use never? the steering wheel. Me? You've never sailed a boat before? 
I've, I've been in a boat that's sailing. Oh, I've never okay. sailed a boat. I'm oh, not Christopher okay. Columbus. Here's the bigger question. <laughs> what, else is, Santa Maria. what else is wrong with the boat? If they can't pay their gas bill, what's going on underneath the hood? Oh, there's holes in the boat. There's holes <laughs> in the boat. There's a lot going on if they're not even yeah, if you if you're bill. If you're behind millions of dollars on fuel, yeah, there's some other issues. There's spoiled food. The chandeliers are, are cracking. You're trying, uh, you're but do you ever, yeah, do you yeah, ever yeah. notice those things when you're on a cruise? No. Exactly. Until someone comes on. Hey, what's up? Tap tap the microphone real quick. Hello, hello, hello. Mic check. One, this two, thing on? Check, one, check. two, three. Yeah. Nobody uh, notices that stuff when you're, you get the unlimited drinking package and you call it a day. I mean, that is a vacation disaster. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm so down on cruises right now. Oh, boy. But that's a new one. That's like the plot of a movie. Oh, yeah, our cruise ship is a fugitive from the law. So we're going to end up in a completely unintended country. That's a movie. That's a movie. And it happened in real life. And it's not shocking that the basis of all of this is right here in South Florida. This is the only place where that could happen. South Florida represent. Let's go. South Florida in the business of arresting cruise ships and chasing <laughs> cruise ships that are fugitives from the law. Four millions of dollars for is so m- great. Four million dollars of unpaid fuel. Yikes. That'll do it on that note. For Ken Levick alive here on this Wednesday, I want to thank Friday Night Light Stone, Lebanowitz, Jeanette Javier, outstanding as always. She'll be back next Wednesday. I'm Ken Levick. I've been live on ESPN 106.3. Bye-bye.